Hey there, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. I hope your holidays were awesome. This episode, number 22, is our first of 2016. So welcome back. I took a few weeks off for the holidays to spend time with the family, but I'm excited to be back on the podcast speaking to all of you and bringing you awesome conversations with creators that I admire, especially today's Creator Gallo. My guest today is Gallo Naranjo, who's focused on one thing, movement. Gallo subscribes to the philosophy that moving our bodies is the gateway drug to an amazing life, ultimately bridging the gap between mind and body. He describes movement as the cross-pollination of ideas and stories from many different areas of study, literature, anthropology, science, art, design, philosophy, history, psychology, and more. Currently, Gallo coaches CrossFit and documents his journey with movement at his website, The Movement Project. I'm excited to talk to Gallo about the difference between fitness and movement and why that's important and what teaching CrossFit has taught him about people, but most importantly, about himself. Let's find out. Welcome to the podcast, Gallo. Thanks for having me. How are you? You're in New York City right now or in Jersey, close to. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you've been working on the past few years because you and I met up for the first time at World Domination Summit back in Portland and it's been a few years now. Uh, We've kept in touch but keep me, I mean give me the summary of what's been going on since then because I remember back then everything was kind of starting out. You were in this beginning phases of exploring and I'm just curious to, for you to tell me a little bit about that process and what has been, how, how it's played out. Yeah, that's a great question. So when we met, that was like the week or the, the month after I actually left my job in New York City. So that was like legitimately the very beginning of the start of the rest of my life, I guess, if you will. So yeah, pretty much what, what happened was I was working in New York City in finance and I decided I didn't want to work there anymore. And um, I decided to pretty much pursue, I, I don't like the, the word fitness, uh, but pursue like movement and health in general. And um, it's been, a, it's been a, rough, a rough, uh, rough couple of months, if you will. But, you know, with, with all that comes, hopefully, the, the vision coming together. What, do you, what do you, is the difference for you between fitness and movement? And why is that important? So that's a great question. So for fitness, I think it's just the the idea that most people have with fitness. They have this this idea that fitness is something A is for aesthetics is just extrinsic, which obviously is the benefits. The benefits are that. But at the same time, it's a very intrinsic motivational journey that you do. So for me, movement is something that I like to do anywhere and everywhere for me personally. And I mean, for fitness, people think it's this box that happens during their day where they go to a specific place and a specific time to do it. When in reality, you can just really do it anywhere. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, I mean, I think that over time, so I started my journey with 
you know, fitness movement, whatever. I'm not sure at that point if I knew what to call it about eight years ago. And over time, it has morphed into definitely movement and things that I can work on wherever I am, whenever I want. So was that a natural progress for you as well? And I know, I mean, just a caveat, like I am such a rookie compared to everything that you can do. You are crazy with your handstands and all this cool stuff that you're, you're capable of doing and like hats off to you. So my movement practice is like mini, it's a mini practice. <laughs> no, I, I'm curious of how that has evolved for you over time. Yeah. So for me, the reason I originally started all this and stuck with it was because I started doing CrossFit in the beginning and I immediately, before even the health and the fitness and talks about like goals and all that stuff, I understood how important the community aspect of it was. And that's really what got me to stick to it, you know? And over the course of time, now that I've been kind of learning about uh, movement and teaching it and, you know, teaching classes, I realize at the end of the day, you talk to so many people and you realize all the important things that happen outside of the gym are just that. They're more important than what happens in the gym. The, The gym is just a lab, if you want to call it, you know, where you can pretty much build yourself so that you can take it out into the real world and what i notice is that out when people are doing their the rest of their lives if if you want to put it that way it's things like you know you just had a baby it's like you know how can i be able to move and and explore my body and explore myself and express myself even if i have a kid you know running around the house you know what can i do throughout the day so that i can still stay healthy and and keep moving that's pretty much pretty much how I see things now. And, and that's the beauty of it is that now I'm reaching out. People are a lot, a lot of people reaching out to me who are moms and, you know, they're asking me, well, how do I do this? And how should I start this? And you realize like the, the most important thing is um, I follow this one biomechanist and she talks about stacking and um, stacking pretty much is doing many different activities into one. So her example was like going out with her family, picking berries and moving around, you know, so that's three different things, the family aspect, the, 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 the hunting food, if you will, and the, um, the movement aspect of it. So that's something that I really want to put out there for a lot of people that this isn't about fitness is, is pretty much. It sounds like it's like building abilities as well, because, for example, every time that I do any kind of workout or whatever, people always comment on, and this is not to sound um, conceited at all. People comment on my arms and I'm like, you know what? I have to carry around a big dude almost all day. He's, he's a big guy and it makes me, I mean, every push up that I do allows me to carry him for longer, to have a stronger back. So, I mean, just physically working out helps me as a mom, hands down. Right. So that's, that's interesting that you're getting more, more moms contacting you. That's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> um, what you, you talked to me about teaching. Tell me a little bit about your evolution as a teacher. Were you always giving lessons or CrossFit classes, or are you also doing movement-specific classes as well? So what I've – I started off just it, – it's been mostly CrossFit for the time being. Now I'm evolving more into, you know, doing little – workshops if you will with close friends of mine and kind of going out to the park and doing different things you know exploring different uh, approaches to to teaching but 
for the most part, it's been in the gym type classes, CrossFit in general. But I mean, I don't know. The biggest thing I, I, I've learned from teaching is you, you, you become so aware of people's patterns, literally like movement patterns, but also patterns in how they connect with people. Like you understand how to connect with a person. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of seeing that that starts to build when you start to coach and start to teach so that you know, okay, I can approach this person this way. Oh, okay, I can't approach this person this way. Or I can, you know, use some foul language with this person, but I can't do it with this person. You know, so it's, it's a matter of just like seeing and being more aware of others is, is one thing that I've really become really conscious of learning and, and understanding the importance of learning someone's name fast. People are really impressed with like learning people's names. And it's something that I consciously decided to do when I started coaching because it makes a big deal, you know, when you when someone feels connected. That's interesting because my husband, JJ, which, you know, he always makes a point of saying somebody like the first name and he'll sometimes be like, what's her name? Can you remind right. me? And I'm like, just say hi. Like, I don't need you don't need to say her first name. He's like, no, it's important. <laughs> right. But that's an interesting insight. And I'm I'm curious as to how you fit in teaching. Uh, I know you're also writing online, which I want to talk a little bit more about. And then you've got other projects that you're working on. How do you manage your time to do everything ever since everything that you've decided to, you know, lend your time to ever since you decided to leave that finance job in 2013? So it's a lot of disorganized organization or what do they call it? Structured chaos, I guess, if you will, is, is the word I'm looking for. Where I like it. In the beginning, I had no process at all. There was no process. It was more like the dreams that I thought I wanted and kind of like wished that I had the time and made the habits out. That was like a big thing for me. It's like, I know I need to make the habit. I need to make the habit. I just need to make the habit and make it all about the process. You know, like I know that's the important part. But slowly over time, you just, I don't know, there just comes a point where I started little things start to happen in your life where, you know, you, 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 people start approaching you and giving you feedback and you start taking yourself seriously when you really start to put yourself out there. And I guess it's kind of this thing where you start playing that role and you understand that in order for these things to flourish and these projects to happen or for the writing to happen, if you will, you just got to like show up, write it, write whatever it is, just, just show up and do it because it's it, a massive change has happened when I started approaching all these little things with a sense of just practice and diligence as opposed to the end result, you know, where I try and it doesn't happen all the time, but I try finding that romanticism behind showing up every day, which is something now that's starting to spring in me, which before it never did. It was more of just like the quick instant gratification of just sitting down every blue moon when I felt inspired and, and writing or, you know, practicing or training whenever I felt healthy or felt right to do it. You know what I mean? I don't know if I answered your question. Well, I think that it's, it's, that is one of the major, I guess, roadblocks for people who are starting out doing their own thing, whatever that thing may be. I mean, I've interviewed painters and hand letterers or tech entrepreneurs and, you know, your focus on movement. And I think that the way that somebody divides up their time and those habits, 
which I have a love-hate relationship with this word. I know that it's important, and I have very strong, some very strong habits, but at the same time, I feel like because it's something that holds people back so often, I kind of hate that word because it sounds like we're always chasing the perfect habit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and I, I try to find another word that I hate, balance, between <laughs> like searching for a great, for that great habit that I need to put into place so then everything's going to be so smooth and then just kind of finding my own way, some, you know, like you said, structured chaos. So I was just wondering about that process for you. So like, for example, on a regular day, the past, you know, let's say the past few weeks, how do you divide up your time between, let's say, the writing or what, what you do online, mm -hmm. what you do in person with teaching, I mean, your own workouts, and yeah. then I know you're working on a little something, something else, which yes. I don't know if you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, of course. So the teaching is more of like, you know, I don't want to call it my job because I really love doing it, but it's something that I have to be there for, right? Like I have to show up at the gym, open those doors, and, and business has to happen for that gym to continue. So it's, it's a matter of accountability for me. Same thing with the writing. The writing is something that I'm still really struggling with because I, I was doing a lot of a lot of it on my own, and then I've been really inspired by Seth Godin. Seth Godin is probably like the number one person I, I read consistently. I would say for the past two years, he's the only person I've read and reread over and over and over. And I think his approach to how he writes on a daily basis is sort of like what I've decided to take on with how I want to approach my writing with more of just like small little jolts that happen every day rather than and just hitting submit no matter how small sometimes it could be like a twitter length like 140 characters sometimes it'll be three paragraphs but i feel like that's the best way for me to do it and then for the um the project that i'm working on now it, it it's kind of been a blessing because i've had a partner kind of just jump on board i told her all about it and she was all about it and that's when i officially started taking it seriously it's like that derek sivers talk I don't know how, I don't know if you've ever seen this Derek Sivers talk about starting a movement, about how like it's not the first person, it's not like the the crazy leader that starts the movement, it's the crazy person behind that person, like the second follower, the first follower that really gets the movement going. And for this project that I'm working on, I think that's really what happened was just like, I don't know about this, I don't know. And then I finally like serendipitously connected with someone and she was like, yes, I'm all in. What do you want me to do? Like, what should we do? Let's do this together. And we've just slowly held each other accountable for it. And it's infant stages. So uh, we're still we're still growing it. When you say serendipitously, how did you specifically meet this person? Because I, I interviewed some uh, a group a few months ago and we they told me that they found each other online in an entrepreneur's kind of like accountability group. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for. Me, I follow a specific group of I follow a specific group of people on on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram, if you will. And I just found this one person, and we kind of it was weird. We just kind of went back and forth on commenting each other's um, pictures and videos and stuff like that. And then we connected on Facebook, and then over a certain period of time, it was weird because she actually reached out to me. So what we're working on is a magazine. And she actually, without us really coming into contact and me saying anything about the magazine, I, she contacted me, sending me a picture of a, an article of a magazine that she was reading. 
that something that I've read and completely like resonate with. And that's how I started talking to her about it. And we just got into this big, long conversation via Skype about everything. So that's, that's pretty much how it started. I mean, that's, that's when I realized the power of social media when you start to use it right. That's when everything changed for me. Did we connect before World Domination Summit? We did, didn't we? Online? Yeah, so, yeah, because I was following the whole circle of, of different blogs. And something about your story resonated with me. You were doing the uh, perpetual vacation at that point, right? And Many moons ago. And then we met up in person. Yeah. So we knew each other online first. So there you go. Social media back in 2013. Right. With the Twitter. Exactly. The tweets. The tweets. (laughs) So I have just a curious question. Was the magazine that you loved that you were talking about The Great Discontent? No. Ooh, what other? Tell me which it is, so, because I, uh, I, I I love this stuff. Yeah, no. So the, I've been like gathering all information about all these different ones. So the one that I won't say I follow it consistently, but there are certain articles that I've that I've read from Kinfolk that I that I okay. really enjoy. Kinfolk is more of like a small gathering for young millennials type of magazine. Yeah, I've seen it on Socality Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Now I'm doing a ton of research on, man, everything changes when you start looking into like the back end of how everything comes together, like especially as a magazine, you know, to get the result of just a simple magazine, everything that has to come together for it to actually happen is like overwhelming sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I have a, a few contacts with that have worked with or you know, have produced magazines. So uh, once we finish recording, let's connect on that so I can maybe help out in some kind of way if possible. I'm curious about your non-negotiable. So you were talking about how teaching for you, not necessarily a job because you love it, which I mean, I I really do think that we can love our jobs. Like that's the whole point, right? So let's call it your job. Mm -hmm. Then there's writing and the magazine. What is the one thing that is non-negotiable to you in your life? Is that your own workouts or is that your teaching? So the one thing that's non-negotiable for me, all right. So the one thing is every day, and I can't say it's a workout because some days I don't go in the structured aspect of working out. I don't have the time to go to the gym and get like the training aspect of my life done, you know, where it's like I have sets of this and doing sets of that just to actually get stronger. But the non-negotiable for me is at least 20 minutes of joint work. So like any type of joint work. So whether it's, you know, stretching or, you know, rolling out the neck or just foam rolling some type of work to kind of mobilize my body a little bit. And I try to intersperse that throughout the day. So if I'm working and I'm teaching class, I'll run through all the warmups with them. Or if I'm working on, at home, just kind of chilling on the computer, I'll have like the yoga mat laid out or sometimes I'll just crawl around my house. Just anything, any type of movement. And that's pretty much the, what I try to preach is like forget about the fitness if you have a lot of things going on. If you can just find time and see things around your house that you can do and make it fun, then do that. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. I don't even like using the word fun because even the word fun is tainted for like like childish, like fun, but it, it's kind of sad that we've gotten to that point where, you know, we can't use words like play or fun without having the connotation of a child being around. You know what I mean? Well, let me just say that 
recently a friend of mine sent me a video of a toddler leading a modern dance class. Have you seen this? Oh, yes, I have. That oh is amazing. God. I know. Yeah, what a workout. That, that kid doesn't stop. And I see it with mine as well. If I imitated his movement 24-7, I would be ripped and so lean and like so yeah. graceful. <laughs> with I don't know. Not that he's graceful, but I feel like with my coordination as an adult, <laughs> translated with, to all his movement, I would have like a different body, dude, and, and different abilities. So yeah, yeah the fun <laughs> with childish stuff, that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> I right. have absolutely no, uh, no negative connotation with fun. So that's, um, that's a conversation I was having with, uh, with a friend of mine where we talked about, because I, I don't know, I'm like in, I find myself playing around at the intersection of like, creativity and movement but not in the sense of like dance or you know performing arts or anything but more of like the the general creative stuff that people do on a day-to-day basis is and how it can like come together with movement and the, and the the thing that I, I came up with with my friend that I that you learn especially when you're when you start to learn about movements and stuff like that that babies know how to move naturally like they can squat they can crawl you know once they go through the phase of actually learning how to you know move and mobilize and turn their heads and actually crawl and walk like they know how to move around and as it's the problem is that as you get older and older we start to sit more and we start to you know we have work we have school obviously formal education all that stuff starts to stiffen us up because we're not moving anymore and we were having that conversation and this person that I was having a conversation is also a creative and he brought up the, the quote of Picasso of being an artist, except it, what, I forgot how the quote is. It's just like every child is an artist. The hard part is staying one as they get older. So there's like, it's crazy how that parallel is like as a kid, you know how to move, you, you're free, you know, you're, there's no restriction because kids don't have that psychological restrictions or physiological restrictions same thing happens in art like every kid is an artist and then because of socialization we start to lose that artist within us you know what i mean so i i love that parallel between the movement and creativity as we grow old and pretty much what i do is like my job is to make people play like in any way shape or form if i can do that and open your mind in some way shape or form like i'm happy would you say that you have kind of dropped your restrictions for being able to play and move and do your thing just to, and, you know, create art or whatever it is that you do like a kid would? Or are you still in that process? I'm definitely still in the process because I have, I go through this very struggle, this struggle with the structure of training and that romantic aspect of, you know, playing because sometimes you know i i'm like i but i need to train and i need to have structure in my life but then the other part of me is like no i don't need any of that let me just like play do it whenever i want however i want to without any structure so i'm still definitely learning that and and i go in and out of sometimes i'll go through a training cycle for x amount of weeks and then i'll have some time to play yeah so it's it's still i mean i think it'll never be a, a set thing for me it'll always be back and forth is that a mental struggle in the sense that you feel like you should train, but you don't? But when you're pl- when you're just playing, 
is it just that you feel that you should go back to training or that you want to go back to training? Because it sounds like you're answering your own question that you just kind of want to play and, and let it go naturally. That's a good question. I mean, I understand the importance of conditioning and I do it. I obviously, I feel like I feel like I should do more of it just to stay more conditioned. And that's where the structured aspect comes for me. And I feel like I get a lot out of the health aspects from conditioning and everything. But I think I'm just still trying to find that, like you said, I don't like the word of balance, but finding how to appropriate my time to saying, you know, being okay with, I'm going to do this for today. And then everything else, I'm just going to allow myself this 30 minutes to do whatever I want, you know? And yeah, I, I definitely, but I understand that for me, if I want to like expand my play, because I'm still very like physically, I still have a lot to do, you know, so I still have to train in order to pretty much open more play for me. Does that make sense? Physio- yeah. Physically, you know, so go ahead. Is There's just a friend of mine who once told me, doesn't it make you sad that you can't read all the books in the world? And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it had never occurred to me. And I also am, I find there's beauty in selecting and it and it sounds to me just that finding your own let's just use a word balance of whatever feels good to you might be a, a better use of Gallo's time here. You know what I mean? Like right. Why why struggle? You're you're, you're doing awesome, you know? <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's just like my my mom side of me coming out encouraging you and being like, "But you're doing great." But it's true. Like I look yeah. at everything that you put up and all those things that that you accomplish and um you look super healthy, so it's like, have fun with it, you know? Yeah. And that's just an uh, outsider's perspective. And I think that there's value in weighing those options for sure, you know? Like, if we never questioned ourselves, as long as it doesn't get unhealthy, but if we never questioned ourselves, how would we grow? So there's definitely value in you having that that moral or mental struggle of what to do with my time. So that's cool. Sure. I'm curious about... In the last, so summer 2013, so it's been about two years and a half, right? Just about, yeah. Has it been a little bit of a roller coaster or has it been smoother than you than you expected? It hasn't been smooth at all. It has been Doubt. probably, yeah, it's been the craziest. Emotionally, it's been the toughest I've ever experienced you know, with the previous, you know, going through college and everything, I kind of, I mean, you hear the story all the time, right? Like I kind of just went through the motion of like, you know, I'm just going to go to college. I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to work here. And none of that was, I don't want to say it was easy to get, you know, my degree and go through college because I worked at it, but it was just like, it wasn't. Emotionally easy? Right. Like, no, no. I guess the word easy in general but it wasn't when it's something that you kind of feel like you just have to do, you just kind of go through it. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. I feel like the past two years is something that I've been working towards, something that I want. And it's going towards a vision that I see. And because there's all that emotion attached to it, it's been a lot harder for me. Whereas opposed to when I was in school, doing everything, you know, working in finance, it was kind of like, wasn't really what I wanted, so I was detached to it. I was just kind of going through the motion. Like, it was the epitome of, un- like, going through the motion. You know what I mean? What so is now- the vision for you? 
So the vision for me is to, that's a good question. I have like very little small pockets that want to, I want to bring together. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, like if we want to kind of peel back the layers, my thing is to really get people to understand that they are physically capable of doing many things they don't believe they are able to. And at the same time, there's a level of understanding that you are also a creative being and that it's just human potential. You know what I mean? And it sounds, sometimes I I sound a little bit tacky going, saying all this, but it's the truth. Like I went my whole, like my whole childhood wanting to be an artist and being, I wanted to be an architect and I wanted to be in, in, in sports and I wanted to do all these things. But along the way, you know, people tell you, you know, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. There's no money in that. You know, don't become a personal trainer. There's no money in that, all this stuff, this, that. And I just want people to realize like, you can do whatever it is you want to do. You just have to like slowly work at it and be super, super patient. Do you feel like you're still in the the phase of being patient, of having to be patient? Oh, yeah, definitely. Or is that a phase that never ends? Uh, I don't think it never ends, right? I, I was reading, there's a difference between like finding, I don't remember how it goes, but there's a difference between being satisfied and being happy. And I think you can be happy without being satisfied, if you will. And I don't want to use the word satisfied. I know a lot of people have different definitions for what satisfied is. But, you know, if you ask someone who is in a creative field and you ask them if they're satisfied, a lot of people will tell you no. But if you ask them if they're happy, then then they'll say yes, you know, because there's a difference there. You can be happy doing what you're doing, but you always want to, like, grow and you always want to build more and you always want to connect more. There's a quote for it. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but I'll put it in the show notes uh, that this is exactly where this concept that you're mentioning is where the name for the great discontent, the magazine comes from. Yeah. Basically I, you're always going to be discontent right, <laughs> with exactly. what you're creating. And, and that's, a, that's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle, I shouldn't even say I'm in the middle of writing this book uh, that I'm working on because I'm in the middle of a, it's the holidays. I don't want to be writing. I don't want to be creating. <laughs> I'm going to be hanging uh, phase. So, and I'm down with that. That's cool. I'm doing it. But, um, but there's also an element to it of, I want to run away from the work for a little while. So I'm going to hide befi- behind my family, you know? Yeah. And there's that never being content with your work is really, it's a hard pill to swallow day in and day out. How do you go through or how do you manage that emotional roller coaster that we were talking about a little earlier? The biggest thing for me is I use anything and I know I love this part of the conversation you had with Julian where he was talking about what did he say managing your psychology or or he mentioned something about something your psychology and he talked about like pretty much find anything you can do that takes you out of that vision where you're constantly looking into the future or thinking about the past. Anything you can do. And for, for that, for me, it's movement. And I, and I try using whether it's, you know, an hour class or just moving in my room. I try to use it as a, as a meditation. You know what I mean? Something that just brings me in tune with myself. Because I think being in the moment is a lot 
is is super underrated and i think it's becoming a lot bigger now with the whole movement of mindfulness and i i don't know i i think that's the biggest thing for me is is being in the moment and are you able to do it i i am because for me i've gotten into the habits when i practice to really focus on breathing and i think that's probably the quickest way if you want to ask like if if you want to be in the moment just and become in tune to your breath for like two or three breaths and you're in that moment for a couple of minutes. You know what I mean? It's just like a quick window to wellness is just getting in tune with your breath. Um, and it's something so simple like that, that people aren't even aware of, you know, just, all right, how am I breathing right now? And it's so hard to constantly be aware of it. It is. Yeah. That, that is one habit. Then I hate that word, but that is one habit that I find most people, have difficulty implementing. So I've gotten to a point where this is not all the time where I am able to become aware of some kind of intention, sometimes like malicious with something that I'm about to say, you know, like it's, it's that ego coming out where you want to either be the one to tell somebody some gossip or whatever it is. It could be like, it's not malicious. It's not a good thing, you know, Um, or all of those moments where People say, or, you know, I will say, like, you'll, you'll tell me something and I'll say, you know, when it, this happened to me and, you know, bring the focus yeah. back on me. <laughs> and I've started to become aware of things as I'm about to say them and then question myself and say, well, what's important there? Why are you? Yeah. What's the intention behind that? And then kind of shove it back down if it's not a positive thing to add. I will say that I am absolutely unable to exercise this practice or this habit with my husband forget it (laughs) absolutely no mindfulness in my in in the marriage but i am trying that is like that is like my ground zero like must work on that but i think everybody has like their weakness you know but i did find the quote and i want to share it you need to learn to be content in your discontent you will always be restless that's what that's what i was looking for i had to look for it now i feel closure on that point yeah so, yeah, so apart from breathing, I mean, I feel like you're, you have so many opportunities to practice mindfulness. How would you recommend somebody who's listening get started with mindfulness and with movement? This is a good question. and It's hard to answer because so many people are in so many different places, especially when it comes to how they define health and a lot of it does have to do with body image too because I've had conversations with people who struggle so much with body image where their definition of health is just so far off my definition of health so we get into like language and that's why as a coach I've learned that like the language learning how to use certain words is huge but I think for me personally like if if we're talking strictly like on a health if we're just talking strictly health the biggest thing for me is, like I said, my non-negotiable is like joint care. So I'll I'll do shoulder shrugs and I'll kind of work with my elbows and just kind of move my body in different ways just to kind of loosen me up, especially in the morning. You know, I don't think you realize how stiff you are until like you wake up in the morning and you give yourself, allow yourself 15 minutes to just stretch, move the arms around, shake it out. I don't care if you dance. I mean, I dance in the in the morning sometimes just to like get me going. It it sounds tacky, but it works, you know? Just and wait till you have a toddler, then you'll be dancing like Exactly. I, baby JJ's <laughs> b- 
birthday, his first birthday of the day is around 6.20 in the morning. I open his door and he's like, happy? And I'm like, happy birthday. <laughs> 50 million times a day. So I definitely join you in the dancing and all yeah. kinds of movement in the morning. Not for me. So I congratulate you that you do it for you. Yeah, it's been a really hard habit to get into. And that's one that I know that I do it because it takes me out of the mindset of like, oh man, if I didn't get to train today, then the whole day is shot. You know what I mean? As opposed to thinking, well, I, I moved around and then it, that momentum sets me up for like if I'm at work and I have some time in between, I can do a quick set of two or three. It doesn't always have to be a chunk of time throughout your day to do something. So if you can start getting into that mindset and start realizing like all this, you can't compartmentalize all these things. If you can find a way to implement it and inject it into your day, the better, you know what I mean? And, and the great thing is that we're seeing that more and more in like corporate offices, like, or just regular co-working places where you can like standing at a desk isn't weird anymore because it's on people's radars, you know? And I think that's a great step in the right direction. So if you can find anything to like, Anything that you can do, whether it's taking a walk, I, I went, I mean, I don't do much walks, but I went through like a weird phase where just I love to walk and I would just put on a book bag and go in deep into the streets of New York City and just walk during the summer. If that works for you, then do that. Just anything. Gallon is backpack. That is, when I think of you, <laughs> I think of you wearing your backpack. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. I get that a lot. I mean, that's, I, I, how often are you wearing a backpack? Like a percentage of your day, <laughs> you know, if you're not training, I, I feel like you're always wearing a backpack. I am. Um, it's weird because I wasn't wearing one today because it was pouring and I was like, I don't want to bring anything with me. And it's and, high up on your back too. Yeah, yeah. It's high up on my back. And the thing is, I walked out of, I walked out of work and I knew I had everything on me because I consciously knew I didn't have a book bag. But as I was walking out, I was like, something's off. Like, something's missing. I know I'm missing something. And it's just that I didn't have my backpack on. It's weird. That's funny. I, um, yeah. I've actually lost the habit of carrying a purse because now I have to have, like, a diaper bag. So <laughs> I, I can't do everything, dude. I have to carry this guy and I have to carry his stuff. So I just take my wallet and put it in his bag. So now when I go out without him, like going to the supermarket and he's not coming with me i'll just take my wallet which is tiny mm. and every my mom i'll pick up my mom or something we're going together and she's like where's your purse i'm like i don't use one and she thinks it's the weirdest thing in the world i'm like yeah she's got my wallet and my keys and my phone it's all i need <laughs> yeah. but but yeah so walking i can't do a lot of it here in nicaragua uh there's it's not that it's not safe it's just it's so hot outside that yeah I mean, and you said New York in the summer. I don't know how you did that. But yeah, what is it that... So we met at an event, right? And I'm, I'm curious if you've continued going to events and what they, what they bring to your life apart from the community that you find at CrossFit. Because I remember when we met at the event that you, we talked about other events, you know? Like mm -hmm. we were in this kind of conference going... I wouldn't say like circuit but there's certain events that i feel bring great value to our lives are you're in an amazing place to go to cool events so do you have community that you rely on outside of training or is it mostly crossfit right now for you in terms of like a community that's a good question i mean i i try to do one of like a, a big event a year and last year or i'm not sure if it was last year or, the year, or this year but 
I went to another kind of a summit where it was like a group of 50 to 60 people that came together. And it was kind of like you camped out. Um, there were talks and everything. So I, I, I wouldn't say, I would say I was a lot more adamant about reaching out to people who were in that space when I first started off. But now it's like, I don't know, now that I have these projects going on, I, I try my best to stay focused on that. But I do understand that I do need that one huge outing for me to meet people completely outside of what I'm doing, because that just completely shakes my world up. And realizing, especially when it comes to teaching and, and following the people that I follow, it's so easy to get caught up in the bubble of the your world that you don't really remember that there's people outside of your little bubble that have never heard what you have to say. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it makes sense. And I, I find that, so I've talked to a few people. I mean, for me, my one event is usually, it used to be World Domination Summit and now it's Misfit. And I, I can't wait to go in May again because that event is amazing. But I'm curious as to why, when we're talking about, you know, you're talking about different communities that or you get in your bubble and then it's hard to you know remember that there's other people outside of it. So you talk about, you know, human potential and all this stuff that you said is tacky. I don't think it's tacky. I think that, I mean, it would be really tacky if we didn't talk about this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, this is like our thing. So what do you think made physical training and movement the gateway drug for you to all this stuff? And for other people as well. You know, I feel like it's such a, not a trend, but it's a common journey that people go on. That's what it is. It's, it's a common journey that, for me as well, I never was into this stuff until I started working out. Yeah. What is it about our physical movement that leads to all of this other kind of movement and, and, you know, kind of breaking barriers, mental barriers, emotional barriers, all this stuff that ends up happening? Yeah, that's a great question. I was thinking a lot about that today, actually, because I, I sometimes, every once in a while, I'll just like watch those motivational movies, like those clips or trailers that you see on YouTube. And there's always like the physical athletic aspect to it, right? Like, you see it every almost every single one of those motivational clips. It's always like, I don't know, a boxer or something like that. It's always something to do with the body. And I don't know, for me, what I realized for me was it was pure luck. I don't want to say luck. It was just timing that I found the gym that I went to. And it was very cohesive. And the people in the community were great. And I think that has a lot to do with it, which I think is a great thing about something like CrossFit which isn't new by any way, shape, or form. I mean, they've just found a different method and just mixed it into their own. But the fact that they've made a community out of it is really the big thing that got me started. And number two is it's movement or fitness or anything like that. I mean, I, we have a lot of talk about how we don't have much control in our lives, right? Like, you know, it's up to the universe, the world, whatever you want to call it, God. But at the same time, it, it can be something as simple as you have the ability to choose what goes into your mouth in terms of food. And you have the ability to choose, you know, how active you want to be with your life. Like it's the, it's the window to wellness. Like you have that ability. It's, it's, not easy, but it's pretty simple, you know? It's at so, your disposal. Exactly. You have complete control of it. No one's sitting there telling you what to eat. No one's 
sitting you, telling you, you have to sit there the whole time. You can't do anything. It's a matter of changing your beliefs and your mindset around it. And once you do that and you find the right people to do it with, which I, I will say over and over, people who come to the CrossFit gym that I work at tell me, why is CrossFit so good? And why do you think I should do this? And, and I, the first one thing that I'll say is always the people, the community, the people. That's why people keep coming through the door. It's not about these world-class workouts that we're doing or this crazy conditioning thing that no one's ever heard about. Everyone knows what the key is. It's just consistency. And I think people, if you find the right people, you will be able to stay a lot more consistent and accountability matters. How do you stay accountable apart from having to show up to teach your classes? That right now, I mean, I've pretty much leaned on that for the most part. And it's not the greatest thing, but I understand that I start to play that role and I start to see myself, like, I understand I want to lead from the front so that if I teach what I'm teaching, I also have to be doing it myself. Um, that's for me personally. So that's why I've made it so that it's kind of crazy because I remember when I first, before I left my previous job in, in, in the city, I was like, I would just love to have a life where I can just not have to pay for a gym membership and just like work out with people and like two, three years later, it's kind of like what's happening. You know, I don't have you to worry it. about exactly. You know what I mean? And it's not perfect by any means, shape or form, but it's, it's, it's slowly taking shape. And, and for me being a teacher allows, it's kind of like that accountability where it's just like, if I'm going to stand there in front of everyone and teach them how to do the moves, A, I, I want to be able to move well myself. And B, I want to be able to empathize with the people I'm teaching, the students, the, you know, the athletes, whatever you want to call it. And that's important to me, I think. So that's how I stay accountable with, with movement for me what personally. Writing? With writing, I'm still struggling with a lot. And so I, what I do is I read and what I'm kind of, it's kind of like, a, a, it's not really foolproof or anything, but I read a lot of Seth Godin's blog. And just like every day, I understand that it's it's hard to write every day. So I try doing, I have no minimum for what I'm writing. Like I don't say I have to have this many words or this or that. As, even if a thought pops in my head, I'll just write that. So I'm not writing chunks of many different things and, and stuff like that. My goal is to like write and publish little by little, drip by drip. So that later on down the road, if I want to make create something substantial, I have things to refer back to. These thoughts that were floating in my head back in the day that I wish if I didn't write it down, I'd be like, damn, what was that thing I thought about that day? And if I write it down and I publish it, which is great, is that accountability of like, you know, being consistent with the blog because I don't want to just keep it dead, you know? So that's something I'm definitely working on. That's cool. I actually found a stack of index cards that I had written in 2013 and labeled them. I don't even know what the colors mean now, but <laughs> I found them and I was like, holy crap. Like most of these, I would say 75% of them are applicable or would be great to include in this book that I'm working on. And right. that for me was like eye opening. I was like, what if I had thrown them away? You know? Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you for being on the podcast and for sharing all that with us. I know that talking about a roller coaster isn't the easiest. Uh, and I think that most people appreciate at least the feedback that I've gotten from this podcast is 
people appreciate the honesty when it comes to roller coaster. All of this, like, oh, it's great and shiny and wonderful. That's BS. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's moments like that, but I I wanted to thank you specifically for talking about you know the hard stuff and the good stuff. That's where I think. I mean, it's life, no? That's exactly. It's <laughs> being human, host life. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. No problem. I appreciate you having me. You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Galo Narang, who's exploring movement and how it changes our lives for the better. Maybe you'll be inspired to not just work out, but to move your body in new ways. By the way, you can find links to everything we mentioned throughout the show, including Gallo's projects at www.process.show. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. I'm Marcinator over on Twitter. And I'd be so grateful if you could pop on over to iTunes and leave an honest review, a.k.a. a positive one, maybe. <laughs> I'll be back next Friday with the next episode of Process and more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process.